Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. And uh, we're going to think about something that we started last week. We considered John MacArthur, our good friend, who is uh, calling on churches to support him in his resistance to the state of California in the way they gather. Uh, but that's America. That's California. That's John MacArthur. Here we are in Kitchener, Ontario, a world away, it seems. And do we need to think about this? Our government, the, the current government, and I know this from an inside source, uh, is favorable to the church, which is why we have a special uh, dispensation to allow 30% gatherings that sporting arenas don't have. So it just seems like we're in a good place. We don't need to think about civil disobedience, but is that being naive, Stan? Are we, as a church, um, in a place where we need to think about how to respond uh, in if and when we're faced with a direct challenge to our core uh, values? Well, I think we clearly need to think about it, Bob, together as God's people and, and seek wisdom from Scripture and one another. Um, in, our, in our last podcast, we, we agreed that even though we don't think the current government mandates about gathering are, are any kind of attack on the church that merits civil disobedience mm-hmm. here, we recognize there, there is a culture war. Mm-hmm. And, and in many ways, our wider culture is not friendly to, to the church and to, to traditional views uh, about moral issues, for example, uh, that the church rightly still holds and wants to defend. So the time may well come when, when our church, other churches may have to make a decision about disobeying government mandate. We, we already know that, I mean, there's government overreach, certainly at a, at a personal level for many people. Um, I mean, it was years ago, uh, and there was a Christian man who was a, had ran a printing business in Mississauga mm-hmm. who was uh, harassed, frankly, by the Human Rights Commission for not wanting to print material supporting the LGBTQ mm-hmm. cause. So we know that happens, and, and we know it may happen, uh, may happen to the church. It may happen to preachers like you and me who, are, who face legislation that says, well, you can't publicly say mm-hmm. a negative condemnation of homosexual practice, for example. Mm-hmm. So we would have to ask, how, how do we respond to that? Now, uh, let me just suggest that example. Let's suppose, I, and some people want to take existing hate speech legislation in that direction. Mm-hmm in a direction that would say you, you just can't make public statements condemning homosexual practice, which would mean you can't read Romans 1 in public. Now, right. what if? What, what if it starts to be applied in that way? Well, an individual preacher could simply say, I'm going to preach the Bible as it is, and 
if if the topic comes up in my treatment of the biblical text, then I'm just going to say it the way it is. Another possibility would be that a law like that can be so unjust and so much an attack on on the church. Pastors all across Canada might say, let's agree that on a given Sunday, every one of us will preach Romans 1 and say what it says. And, and alert the media. And, and alert the media. So they know what's happening. <laughs> and, and, and we are formally saying, we are called by God to teach Scripture as it is. We, and, and, and we are saying by this action, we are going to do that no matter what. The Human Rights Commission or the laws may, may demand of us. That would be a way of making it a, a genuine public issue. Now, how, how would you feel about that? I mean, well, let would, me, would you want to participate in that? Stan, I am towards the end of my ministry now. I have nothing to lose. <laughs> I mean, I could probably say, yeah, I'll go out. I'll go out like that. A guy at the early stages of his ministry, maybe he's so young and naive, he doesn't know any better, he'll do it anyway, right? Yeah. But there are a lot of reasons why, uh, and legitimate reasons, why a pastor might choose the, the former, where he says, no, I'll just faithfully preach and, and let them come to me, let them arrest me if they happen to hear about it. Whereas you're suggesting, and I want to talk about what you're suggesting, is that pastors um, don't forsake their pastoral charge, but they become um, political advocates. They, they put themselves in this national uh, debate, which we're, we're not comfortable with. We, we're, we're concerned with our own flock. Uh, there are examples in the States, for instance, of pastors who have taken on that mantle and have challenged the government and have earned a reputation for being pugnacious or obsessed with a particular sexual issue. Uh, making it very difficult to maintain the order and uh, discipling of their own church family. Uh, but that's what you're asking. And it's, uh, I'm not suggesting that we should create a litmus test and say any faithful pastor will join that mass protest and do it. I, I, I recognize, as you say, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's a difficult judgment call to know when, when do we do it in quite that way? I don't even think we do that for abortion anymore. No, that has, that has receded a bit mm-hmm. in, into the background. And yet, I, on, on that one, I think Christians have found multiple ways to, I think, to respond helpfully. Pe- pregnancy centers that seek yeah. to help um, pregnant women who are in a, a difficult situation are are one way of actually reaching out and making a difference at that level um i actually the there's there's plenty of evidence that i've been reading that indicates overall attitudes toward abortion perhaps are becoming more negative especially among young adults yeah yeah people actually do want to have children. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in, in the Canadian context right now, a politician is signing his, his death warrant if he actually says in public, 
I, I think we ought to address, the, we ought to open the abortion question. Uh, so at that level, it's, it's really difficult. And yet, I mean, we've seen just this year in the, in the leadership contest for the Conservative mm-hmm. Party of Canada, mm-hmm. Les Lynn Lewis, a, she, I, I would love to meet her. I really would. I, I, I so much appreciate her. We should get her here. We should. Now, she's a, she's a black female lawyer with a Ph.D. in international studies, I think. Brilliant woman. Candid about her mm-hmm. pro-life, anti-abortion views. Yeah. But also able to say, I understand that we don't operate in a vacuum. I, I understand that I can't take all the steps I might want to yeah. take. I understand that. But we could start with prohibiting sex-selective abortion, mm-hmm. for example. We could mm-hmm. start with prohibiting funding mm-hmm. uh, pro-abortion movements in other parts of the world. So it is possible to to be engaging enough to to start to raise some issues. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking here about civil disobedience. I guess with yeah. abortion, um, that question is just a matter of us being vocal. We're not being civilly disobedient if we right. proclaim a, a, a pro-life message. But when we talk about being civilly disobedient, we're going to be doing things right. that are illegal. Um, are we? Is that going to happen? Are, are, is that hill to die on? And your, your idea, I don't want to get away from that, that our movement might agree on a given Sunday to just be right in the face of this and say, look, we're here. We're not going to be quiet. We're out of the closet. This is what we believe. It's still a free country. Um, deal with this. And have all of us speak on that subject. Um, at this point, is that civil disobedience? It's not at this point. I, I'm always envisioning the possibility for for what it it could become. Um, probably the the more immediate and obvious example that's similar to that is the ban on conversion therapy that's happened in some cities in Canada. The federal government has been musing about bringing down some kind of federal legislation. Okay, can you now? Can you just state exactly for some of our listeners? who might not understand the nuances of that, is it, it, is it what it sounds like? Well, I, I think the answer is we're not sure. It, if, if it only amounts to a ban on uh, coercing unwilling people into a kind of supposedly therapeutic experience to, to change their sexual orientation, I mean, that's one thing. But if it takes the form, as it seems to have in some cities where it's become reality, of saying you you simply cannot in any formal way counsel a person to reject their homosexual disposition. A person who wants to reject it, who's struggling, who's uncomfortable with it. Right. A person who says, if let's say it's it's a member of our church here. Who comes to you and, and says, "Look, help me! I think I'm gay. I I have these attractions, these dispositions. I feel like I have a sexual desire for people of my own gender. Uh, 
I know what the Bible says about that, and I don't feel comfortable about my orientation. I mean, what am I going to do? Now, if there's legislation that says you, you, have, to, you have to tell that person, accept yourself as you are. You, you, you cannot, you may not, you are not allowed, legally allowed to counsel that person to reject their, their current sense of who they are sexually. That would be a major problem. But, but and that they, they might, don't know who they are sexually. They're confused, right? They, they go either way, right? Uh, they just want peace in their soul one way or the other. And so we're, we're not allowed to say, well, this is the better. This is the one that you should, this is not, this, this other direction is sin. If it comes to that, I mean, if, 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 if it comes to that legally, then I would say we, we have the government telling us that we cannot do what Scripture calls us to do. And so we're being asked to disobey God's mandate for us as believers, as pastors, as the church. That would be cause for civil disobedience. That would be cause for saying, all right. I, 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 must, I must counsel people to say no to okay, that so, disposition. So that's, that's in a counseling situation. If on a Sunday morning we were to teach that position and exhort people who may be in the audience, you know, if you're struggling with this, this is the right thing for you to do. You need to repent and reject that and embrace a, a wholesome biblical sexuality. Okay, that's giving counsel that might run afoul yes. of this conversion therapy rule. And I'm, I'm arguing we should be prepared to do that. And, and maybe, maybe do it in significant numbers on any given Sunday as a way of, of making the point that we say it respectfully. We want to be good citizens. We want to submit to government's mandates as far as possible. But this, this, is, this, this has gone so far mm-hmm. that we simply have to remind the people of the church and the people of the wider culture that while Scripture exhorts us right. to, to respect and, and, and defer to and obey the governing authorities, that is, that is an all things being equal command. That is not a moral absolute Scripture is clear about that. What do you say to people who would say, um, Stan, that'll take us off a focus. Our focus is evangelism. Uh, that'll embroil us in something that um, fouls up the testimony of our church. Can we not, not just, can we just be silent about that or work under the radar? Why would you say in the short time that we have left in this broadcast, why would you say that it would be something to consider to just go right in the front door and uh, own this publicly? Well, I, I, I want to emphasize we would have to do it, as I said, respectfully, thoughtfully, carefully, um, not, not wanting to be pugnacious, but wanting to be candid, forthright, and public about it. I think the basic answer is Scripture tells us that, that among other things, living by faith means that I obey God's command and trust God to deal with the results. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we don't want our church to be, become known as the political fighting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. church. We, we don't want 
any necessary civil disobedience to become the enemy of evangelism and, and discipling people in normal ways. We don't want that. We would have to guard against that. But sometimes we simply have to mm-hmm. have to obey and we have to act and we trust God to care for the results. And we do have the benefit of being part of a, a broader movement. And I think the government would love to characterize us as a crackpot, one-off kind of a church. But you're right. If we can um, present a unified front, not just within our fellowship Baptists, but with a broader evangelical uh, 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 cohort, then uh, it would be interesting to see how the government would respond to that. So you're listening to this podcast. You just heard uh, Dr. Fowler and myself put something out there, and maybe that's something that our friends who are in ministry leadership positions could think about. It may be that there will come a day when we can coordinate uh, such a day when we speak very clearly to this one issue and see where the chips fall. Indeed. Uh, the times are strange right now, yeah. and, and the times may get even stranger yes. in days to come. You may have lit a match. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening to us. Uh, Think out loud. We don't always plan the things that we're saying, but who knows, we may have stumbled across something that uh, will uh, have a life of its own. But if you have any questions, particularly our friends who listen, who are in leadership ministry, if you want to talk further about these things, uh, Stan and I are always up for a coffee or a little visit, and who knows where God might lead in this particular matter. So I'm Bob McGregor. I'm Stan Fowler. And thanks for listening to us on Thinking About It. Keep on thinking.